0: fellowship and neighbors came over so that was a blessing right, there's no bulletin today if you notice because somehow it just got overlooked how could that have happened all right a couple of announcements to pass on to you of course the 16th is the christmas coming at the plaza and so if you're going to go you need to let us know by next sunday and that's it after that you cannot come and then next Sunday, or next Saturday, we're gonna to try to pass out some Christmas stuff over to the fish on a Saturday. If you wanna join in on that, uh, just let me know, and we'll to be with you if you get some more details. All right, let's go to Exodus chapter 20, flowing through like a farmer through this field called Exodus. Sometimes it takes a little while, and even though we have modern equipment and farming, it takes a lot of time to get through all the acreage of Harvesting. Exodus chapter 20. Now I'm going to split up the lesson today. I'm going to spend most of my time uh, on mm-hmm. Amendment number seven at 1045. It'll be about adultery. I want to talk about the commission of adultery, the cause of adultery, the cure for adultery, consequences of adultery. That's going to take a lot of time, so I'm going to bypass that for some going and cover the others. And so in chapter 20 of Exodus, verses 3 through 8, remember that. Uh, you have the commandments that are toward God, man's duty toward God. He alone to be worshiped, and no idols are allowed <clears throat> in Jesus' name in vain. The Sabbath is to be observed for rest in Israel, and so that was uh, the commandments for man to honor and to uh, fulfill his duty toward God. In chapter 20, verses 13 through 17, we covered last time man's duty toward his fellow man. Honor your parents, thou shalt not kill. And um, today, at 1045, thou shalt not commit adultery. So we'll look at some of the commandments that God gave for Israel, and in principle, and in spirit, that the does today about man's duty toward his fellow man. Man's duty toward his fellow man from the commandments of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the time we have to be in church. We pray for your blessings on this class and other classes going on. Ask your Father to uh, give us a blessing and stir us intellectually and spiritually. And be with us as we assemble together to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, chapter 20 of Exodus, and verse number, oh, let's look at verse number uh, 13, 2013. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, and thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Alright, so those are the ten, and those are the ones that apply toward man to man. And you would think that these things are common sense, that these things are uh, so obviously wrong to do, that God didn't have to give a statement about it. But he had to, he did. And so, let's look at uh, the commandment number 8 number 8 and I'll cover number 7 at 10.45 number 8, thou shalt not steal thou shalt not steal why would anybody take some lesser property without permission that would be stealing and don't take what is not yours for yourself we call it in Hawaii borrowing stealing is borrowing Hawaiian style but it's not really, probably of any kind you not to take that's not yours Shoplifting is a good example of stealing, uh, smash and grab, mob theft. Lately, you've seen a lot of mob, the crowds of teenagers dressed up in black uh, raid a store and just grab what they can and go out by bag loads of merchandise. Uh, stealing, uh, you have homeless people stealing shopping carts all the time. And it's not, it's not wrong, it's accepted. And so shoplifting all these other forms of shoplifting. Uh, we had someone break into a car at the Old McNeil property one Sunday morning. The car was parked right next to the building and uh, a son left his laptop bag in the back seat exposed. Somebody walking by on Street, Kalani Street, during church, saw that, broke the back, uh, the driver's side window, rear window, and grabbed it and took off. After church, the owner of the car was shocked to find out that it was lost in the seat, the back seat, and some of the front seat, and the bag was gone. It's very distressing, very upsetting, and uh, uh, people do that kind of stuff. They take what's not theirs as if they have the right to take that. And so, whatever the motivation for stealing is, it's not justified. Uh, sometimes people say we justify uh, stealing things or taking things that not ours because. The white man has privileges that we don't have. We're going to get even. Sometimes that's the motivation. We're going to get even. Uh, We don't have those things, so we deserve those things too, so they steal it. Uh, We deserve what you have. And so um, it's getting even sometimes for people. Those are strange things in our society, in our culture, where people justify stealing other people's property. Now, sometimes stealing can be profitable. Uh, Look at Psalm 62. Psalm 62. Psalm 62. Sometimes stealing stuff is profitable to the one who steals it. They gain something without paying the cost or the price of that merchandise. Stealing is profitable. Psalm 62 10 tells us, Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, so stealing does increase something that you didn't have before. Now you have it. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Therefore, that verse talks about two, things, two different things. First thing is that riches do increase when you steal it. <laughs> riches increase if you don't steal it. In both cases, stealing it or not stealing it, you gain something. But riches, having riches alone, uh, don't set your heart upon that because it cannot profit you in a day of wrath. Now also, Proverbs 10, verse number two. Stealing is very appealing, but it is vain. Stealing is exciting. It's almost intriguing. It's almost uh, an adventure for some. Proverbs 2. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. You notice that in these two verses, there's a contrast between stealing and of great value. What is really blessed of God, what is not. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing. So it is appealing to go treasure hunting, but it is also good to try to steal something and get away with it. It's a thrill to steal. Well, Exodus 20 verse, uh, 22, verse number 7. Let's look at this verse. There is a consequence for stealing, there is a price to pay for stealing. Now, the one who is stolen uh, from, they pay a price too. And everyone pays a price for stealing. Theft is not, it is not isolated, everyone pays for theft. Prices go up because of theft. You remember when Walmart had to put um, macadamia nuts behind lock and key. When I first saw that, I thought, what is going on here? You have to call uh, an employee to come and open the lock for you at Walmart because people are stealing macadamia can candy, it's such a great value. It's, it was incredible, hard to believe that. All right, where am I? Exodus 22, verse seven. There is a price to pay for those who steal. If you're caught, here's what you got to do. 22, verse number 7. Verses 1 through 6 also talk about stealing and restitution. Verse number 7. Basically, if a man shall deliver into his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it be stolen out of the man's house, if the thief be found, just forgive him. If the thief be found, just say, I understand. If the thief be found say, Oh, okay, no problem. If the thief be found, let him pay. Pay the one whom he stole from. Double. Double. You get caught, you pay double. Well that's a good practice. It's it's you know, Old Testament law, but it's a good practice to pay double. It is a deterrent. If I get caught I'm paid double. Oh, I don't want to do that. Well stop dealing. All right. Now, uh, Luke chapter nineteen. Come over here to the New Testament. uh, The famous account of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a thief. He was a government thief. Tax collector. Luke nineteen, verse number eighteen. All right. You know the story. We say he got right with the Lord and because he did, look at the heart of Zacchaeus, Luke 19, verse number 18. Is that right? 19, uh, verse number eight, verse number eight. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, "Lord, uh, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. If I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And so it's kind of escalated right there. He's so sincere in his repentance; I'll pay back four times what I defrauded people of. I cheated them, and I'm going to pay back four times. But that's a real sign of repentance <laughs> when you actually um, uh, pay back at least double, and in this case, fourfold for his uh, theft. And so, are there any other um, kinds of theft you can do? Any other kinds of robbery? Thou shalt not steal. We think about material things, for sure. But is there any kind of stealing we can do as uh, as Christians? Well, sure we can. Uh, Malachi 3, he talks about robbing God of his tithes. That's theft. Um, robbing a neighbor uh, of what you owe him. Uh, Leviticus nineteen thirteen. come to this verse as well. You can rob God of your tithe, of His tithe. Leviticus 19, verse number 13, is another form of theft. 19:13. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Now, if you don't pay the one you hired to work for you, what you promised to pay, what you commit to pay for, you have robbed him. And so don't cheat him. Don't rob your neighbor. Don't rob someone that you've hired to do something and not pay. Him. Pay him. Uh, you can also rob someone else of other things that's not material, but also very very um of great value. You can rob a young lady of her purity that is real theft you can rob a young man of his innocence of his character uh, introduce them to smoking to drugs to a mischievous lifestyle you can rob someone of their decency that can happen you can rob someone of their uh, belief in the bible you can rob someone of their convictions You can steal from someone their blush. You can cause them to not have any shame. You can rob people of a lot of things besides material things. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. Uh, The remedy for stealing, well, of course, the fear of punishment, the fear of getting caught, the fear of having to give restitution. Those are motivations to not steal. But Ephesians tells us, let him that stole steal no more. Or rather work with his hands. Uh, another another way to stop stealing or prevent from stealing or to cure stealing, the remedy for stealing, is to just stop stealing. Uh yeah. um, is a Christian counselor. I'm not sure if he's still practicing or not, but uh, his volumes of book are really helpful and uh, pretty Ooh. straightforward. Um, he makes excuses for um, a lot of things one thing he does not make a choice for is something as basic as don't steal someone else's property and he simply says okay what well, the bible says this stop stealing let him not steal no more ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 steal no more so he says very plain okay if you're stealing he says stop he says whatever your reasons are for stealing he says it's not justified stop it but i can't help my i'm a typical manian well you can't help yourself when you get put in prison, you have to stop stealing because you're gonna make yourself stop stealing. When you're forced into a position where you just can't do it because the consequences are so severe, you stop. But we make excuses for ourselves by saying, well, you know, it's not so bad. I need this and I don't have it. We do these kind of things. And it's not that serious. It's just stealing a candy bar. It's just stealing a comic book. It's just stealing small kind of things. It's just stealing from the poor: rubber bands, paper clips, erasers. Uh, reams of paper. Who's going to miss five reams of paper? <laughs> Someone's going to miss five reams of paper. What about stealing time? And so the remedy for thievery is to stop and then work with your own hands, which snaps at the motivate or the real problem with people who steal is that they want to get something for nothing. But usually you get something because you've earned it, you work for it. And in this dull student, would rather work with his hands, that which is good. And so a person spends time working, and he gets something in return, he is satisfied, he is gratified. he feels good about himself because he earned what he's gotten, and he feels good about that. He might want to work more and harder because he uh, wants to be more productive. That's healthy. But to take something someone else, it kind of makes you feel kind of lousy on the inside. Besides, uh, it, it does not overcome the benefits of of um, uh, gaining things. So. It's an emotional thing, it's a psychological thing, but it's also a sinful thing, thou shalt not steal. All right, so don't defraud your neighbor, don't steal from people. And it's so obvious, and yet God saw fit to put that in one of his commandments. Man's duty to another man, don't steal, don't steal. Don't take something that's not yours. Okay? Uh, Repentance and restitution are the remedies for stealing. Let's go to number nine. Number 9, verse number 16, Exodus chapter 20, verse number 16, 20, 16. Thou shalt not steal, 15, 16, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Bearing false witness. What would be another way of saying that's a false witness? False witness, it talks about a court situation. It talks about testifying. It talks about telling a report. What you observe, observe, what you've seen, what you've heard, it's, it's testifying. Bearing false witness. When you go to court, you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Or as the lawyer said to his dentist, pull the tooth, the whole tooth, and nothing but the tooth. So you swear in court under oath to tell the truth. What are they asking for? What's the court asking for? The court's asking for you, the witness, to tell only what you saw, only what you heard. I don't need to know your opinion. Well, I thought he meant, I don't want to know about what you thought he meant. Well, I think he was going to. I don't want to hear about what you think he was going to do. What matters in this case is, did he did he do this as he is accused of doing this? If you were there and you saw it, just tell us what you saw and what you heard. That's all we want to know. That's all the that testify ought to be. You embellish it, you're going to make him look guilty or innocent. We don't want embellishment, we just want the plain truth. And so, uh, do not bear false witness. Do not bear false witness. And uh, don't slander someone. Don't create a false impression about someone or situation for your benefit or to his detriment or to his downfall. Do not bear false witness. Now, uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 6, 8. Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and that, your brethren. Defrauding someone, cheating someone, making them look bad, making them look good, making them a saint when he's not a saint, making them look like a devil when he's not a devil. Defrauding someone. Colossians 3, 9 says, Lie not one to another. Lie not one to another. And I will add to that, I'm going to add to the Bible right now. Lie not one to another, and I will say this, and lie not about one another lie not one to another and lie not about one another deliberately misrepresenting someone to harm their character, their reputation, their testimony for your gain now when they talk like that in modern times who is the most guilty of all of all people who's the most guilty of this of breaking this commandment thou shalt not bear false witness who is the most guilty of all? What that? say? See. Okay, well, yeah, sure, the devil is a liar. That is for sure. But someone else also defrauds, or someone else also lies and bears false witness. And it's so common, it is going on for several years, and in the last maybe 10, 12 years, 15 years, I'll give you a clue. In the last several elections. We have seen a rise of people bearing false witness. Now, who would be the most guilty in our world that bears false witness? That, that makes someone else look really horrible so you don't vote for that person? Mainstream media. Ex- okay. MS, Mainstream Media. Now, with the internet and with the coverage of everything, every little thing, you actually can make a case against someone or for someone. Most of the time, when there's a false witness, it's about destroying someone else's reputation and character. That's about what it comes down to. Now, um, I remember when they had riots in Wisconsin, and there was buildings being burned, and a young man was accused of murdering someone with his rifle. He was only 18 or 19 at the time in Wisconsin. Reporters were saying these things. Here is so and so from WXYZ, uh, liberal, uh, and uh, this is, you see all the crowds over here? There's a few loud voices, but basically this is a peaceful protest. in the background, buildings are being burned. Peaceful protest. That is false witnessing. It was deliberately trying to. Create an impression to you, the viewer, that it's not as bad as what you actually see. News, up. Uh, January 6, officers were killed. One was killed. January 6, people climbing over the walls and fence. Okay, that happened, but who who did it? Everyone who was there. There are people. Their reports have, have come out since that. Oh, well, people are totally innocent. Just there, the the phrase "innocent bystander" is totally true. They were just there. They're not participating in all of this stuff going on. They left the scene, actually, and months after, weeks and months after, they got a knock on the door, or they got a phone call, they didn't get, they get out the courtesy. Someone just comes in at 7, 7, 7 in the morning, and they it's the FBI, and they're taking them out. Why? No answer. No. no. They're taking one man um, who was interviewed by Tucker Carlson. Whether you like him or not, he does good interviews. He laughs a lot, though. <laughs> Kind of of funny that he laughs, but he, you know, good reporter. And this one man, oh, so sad. This one man who was there visiting friends, he was accused of being a part of this insurrection, supposedly. And uh, this was way after. And uh, he's a videographer, and he's playing some clip, he's editing things, and a neighbor reported him. The neighbor called the FBI hotline and reported him that this guy was a part of this thing. He was not. He was there because he wanted to. Be there, but he didn't even know there was going to be a round of some sort. Innocent bystander, and he was framed by the news media as someone who was a key part of this. That was part of the whole scheme. Very uh, false witness to hurt somebody. It's a horrible thing to do to your neighbor. Well, um, we thought in important information about Hunter Biden's uh, laptop and. All these things in the election of 2020, all of these things are relative to what the Bible is saying. And by the way, do you know the Bible speaks about current events without knowing about the current events? Right. It, it tells about it because the Bible is a spiritual book and although it's historical, uh, and it's, a lot of it is applying to the Jews, it is a spiritual book and applies to anything, any generation, because it's the Bible. It's a spiritual book, it's not just history. It reveals the heart of man, and it tells the things that man does. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, among the hebrew people theft was going on so god says uh-uh in the bible in the old testament among god's people monkey business was going on uh-uh thou shalt not thou shalt not thou shalt not and so human nature never changes human nature is the same no matter how modern we are no matter how many devices we have and so uh, this is why if the news media in this situation if the news media tries to destroy someone, you know that person probably is innocent, (laughs) that is the truth, alright? So you have uh, very false witness, you have this, you have this intent to destroy your opponent, Um, so as you are Americans who are in touch with the news and so on with the media, we just remember usually what they are for you should be against and what they're against you should be for that's just flip-flop and that's how it is and so um, thou shalt not bear false witness look at verse number 17 thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife nor his manservant nor his maidservant nor his ox nor his ass or anything that is thy neighbor's, it's almost like someone like is saying, "Look, don't don't covet A, B, C. You know what? Don't covet all with the Z. He's trying to cover whole ter- territory, but he mentions some of these things. And all these things they mentioned that you should not covet it involves the welfare of the family. It involves their uh, sacredness of the family. It involves their livelihood. It involves anything of value. Don't covet it. Well that's that's akin to stealing from your neighbor too. Well, let's look at that. Number ten, thou shalt not covet. Oh by the way, very false witness, I need to ask you this question. If very false witness is this, actually lying, is actually lying, is there ever a time in which you should not lie? Uh, excuse me, that you should lie and it's justified? Is there ever a time in which lying is okay? Or is it blanket blanket statement? Never lie, no matter what the consequence, never lie. Tell the truth and suffer the consequence of telling the truth. Would you actually do that in your life practically? So, uh, don't bear false witness, always tell the truth. Really? It sounds really spiritual, and I'm not promoting lie when it benefits you, but is there ever a time to lie or break the law bit the grabber <laughs> so the question is still is there is it ever justified to lie yes. now do a think a little bit thinking here is it ever okay to lie yes. Yes. okay when you say yes tell us why you think just give me an example if you have one Francis you were speaking up first go ahead military military specifically Name, rank, share, a number, that's it. Don't disclose anything that would jeopardize the mission. Okay, another example. Like Joan? Protecting the innocent. Protecting the innocent. How you certain spots away so that they would think by their intelligence that they're having a movement over here. And an aerial our aerial pictures show Allied tanks. They made the cardboard painted to look like tanks. That's deception. It's not the same thing as you personally defrauding your neighbor. What about the uh, Korten Moon who lied to the Jews? Any Jews in here? No. She hit him right under her feet under a rug, in a false floor. Should she have said, I will tell the truth. Right here underneath this rug. Here, let me help you. Well that would been wrong. See, so there are, quote, exceptions to the rule. What about Rahab? Did not Rahab lie to the authorities? They went that way. You better hurry because they left here five hours ago. You, you, better, you better hurry. She lied to them. They're under here. They're upstairs on the under um, TVs or something. But at least, so. <laughs> so she lied. Now that's not justifying normal life lying, defrauding someone. That's not the same thing. Okay. Um, so those are examples of there are exceptions to lying. But to lie to bear false witness to let someone hang or go to electric chair when you could have told the truth but you don't like the guy and so you're gonna lie about him under oath for your gain. that's a different story a lot of this stuff is remember interpersonal it's people to people one-on-one or groups small kind like that it's not it's not a military contact it's not another it's Tell the truth. Don't lie about somebody else. Did you see that accident? Oh, yeah. Just tell what you saw. Tell what you heard. The truth The truth will always set someone free. Or holding the truth will cause someone to hang. So that's what he's intending to mean. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not covet. 2017. He lists some things to not covet. It extends beyond that. And uh, all the nine commandments focus uh, on what we should do the tenth one it talks about the desires of a man's heart and when you think about this the desires of a man's heart really is the source of man's problems to other men thou shalt not covet what is what is coveting in the first place let's define what is covetousness Jesus warned about covetousness Baba condemns covetousness, the law condemns covetousness. What is covetousness? Well, have you ever seen someone really thirsty? Have you ever seen uh, in the Psalms it talks about as the heart panteth for water, as the heart, the deer, pants for water because he's been running and they look they need water? Okay, there's a strong desire for water as the heart panteth for water. Covetousness is the heart panting for something. Desiring something that they feel like they need. Desiring something that I gotta have it. That's covetousness, I gotta have something. Well, to uh, pen after, you look at something, you hear about something, your mind admires it, your mind moves your will, you're mostly moved by something, and then it moves to your pocketbook. Your hand moves to your pocketbook. So your mind sees, hears, and then your emotions are affected, and then you want. You want it so much that your hand goes to your credit card. Your hand goes to your wallet. Your hand goes to your purse. Your hand goes to ordering that thing or buying that, going on and getting that thing. You're so moved by something, you want to possess it. It's kind of like that. Now, what do you think the purpose of advertising is? (laughs) What is the purpose of, well, obviously the purpose of advertising is to move products, to sell products, which in itself is not wrong, okay? Advertising exposes you to things that you may not be aware of, which is okay. Um, There's nothing wrong with advertising, but to appeal to your sense of greed, to appeal to your sense of this thing in sales is called uh the, 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 it's about ownership it's pride of ownership is what it's called pride of ownership to move you to have pride of ownership i gotta have that so that i'm looked up to i gotta have that so my friends my fellow workers so everyone would say and they'll admire me because of what i have see that's covetousness. cover that. Sometimes it's just for yourself. You want to have something just to have because you got to have that. You can't do without it because you got to have it because it's new. iPhone 25, iPhone 99. Got to have that. Okay, well, maybe you do. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not criticizing the iPhone. I'm just saying the desire, the, the says the painting after. No, got to have it. Now, if you've ever been really thirsty, you know what this covetousness is. Okay? Um, what King wanted Naboth's vineyard. What king wanted Naboth's vineyard in the Old Testament? Ahab. He panted after it. couldn't get it, so, you know, the guy got killed, murdered. Random? I was just thinking that covetousness often leads us, I mean, if it's especially if it's not something that we can buy ourselves or something that we can't afford or something that just Will never belong to us, that it can make us get upset with God because He didn't give it to us. I mean, it's, I think a lot of times we don't even think that that's going on in our heart, but um, just not being content with what God has provided for us. Now, before we get to the contentment issue, because that is the issue. Is it wrong to want things or to want stuff? So let's let's be real fair about this. Uh, covetousness is to pen after, and there are some things you can pan after that's not wrong to have. So we have to think this through and not be so you no know, you you know, kids want things. All kids want things. All kids want things, kids want things for different reasons. A lot of them are just innocent reasons and a lot of it is because their kids growing up and their values are such they're not so mature so they want something because their friends have something so they want to be along belong to okay that's that's not really that sinful but when they become insistent and demanding and i gotta have it i can't sleep without this i can't sleep unless i have that i won't be happy unless i have this now we've crossed over something we've crossed a bridge here but to want a new phone that's not really wrong within itself. To want a new laptop, a new device, that's not wrong within itself. Maybe it becomes wrong when you can't, you sacrifice to get that so much so that you do wrong to get this because you just gotta have it. You pant so much after it. Um, you have to live by principle. The principle is God owns everything. You own God. owe God everything. And you don't, you don't cheat on God to get something that you think you want. See, that's the principle, all right? So um, you gotta keep things in balance over here. Panting after something, always, uh, you gotta have it, okay, but it's not wrong to pant after something that you need. Uh, do you need a new car? Maybe you do. So you're looking for a new car? Maybe you're looking for a secondhand car? Okay, so we gotta be careful not to be so extreme on either side, okay? Being extreme is a bad thing, as bad as being covetousness, as as bad as being um, a liar. Extreme in things is a bad thing. Come to the middle, um, uh, have a balance about things, have some sense about things, and see what the Bible intends to say besides what it says. So, desiring some things, it's not wrong to have goals, to desire something, to, to desire bigger, better. It's not wrong for that. It's not wrong to want something because... Uh, Because you feel like it'll bring you some pleasure. There's not a problem with that. I think um, What gives me pleasure? I'm looking for some new walking shoes. I have a problem With new walking shoes. I've also bought shoes from Walmart I bought two pair of shoes black mesh walking shoes for $9.99 Three years ago. I still got one pair still working, still okay, but then I see these people, these Hoka shoes. It's okay, these shoes that are really comfortable. And last year, uh, Nathan took the boys down to a hiking store and all kind of stuff there. And uh, I saw the salesman, he had on these shoes. I said, wow, that looks pretty stable and comfortable. He says, oh yeah, we sell these shoes over here. I said, is that right? He showed me all these kind of shoes. And uh, I haven't tried one on yet, but I'm supposed to try one on, not that I'm gonna buy from them. I think I tried from them, and see what fits and buy from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't try shoes in Amazon, right? So you gotta try locally and then see. And so and then uh, Joseph got a pair of shoes like that at some point last year. I don't know if it was a gift, or whatever. But um, he loved that pair of shoes. It's so com, It's so stable looking, so comfortable. I'm thinking, i got gonna have to give me some, some good walking shoes because I need to walk. I like to walk. But my, my shoes, I'm justified now. These shoes that I'm wearing, they're falling apart. They're not. But in my head, they're falling apart. <laughs> but then I'm thinking, I don't wanna spend. $900 for a pair of shoes because i'm not used to doing that and these shoes are like up to 169 uh maybe on sale and i'm thinking oh, i could buy five of these shoes from walmart <laughs> <laughs> but then again see i'm thinking get one pair of shoes that last year for a long time anyway is it wrong for me to do that in my covetous in my covetous i'm looking at that the cost of it compared to what i'm used to and i'm thinking what am i going to sacrifice to get that Am I going to cut my tie for that? No. Am I going to cut my giving? No. Am I going to? No. No, no. So I I've, I've deferred to I've put it off because of principle, okay? Now, if I get the money, I might consider that. But even then, I'll be thinking twice. Do I really want to spend $150 for a pair of walking shoes? I'm not buying it for the looks. I really don't care about the looks. They got some that's pink, yellow, green, aqua, purple, all kinds. Real Filipino shoes? <laughs> I'm not caring about that. I just care about the comfort and the padding and the support, all these kind of things. That's important. When I'm looking online. Uh, Is there something comparable that's not so expensive? I haven't found any yet like that. I've tried some Amazon, got it. Tried. Returned return if you don't fit. I've, uh, how many pairs have I shipped back? Four or five? Something like that. Uh, either it's wide, extra wide, but you know, whatever. So is that covetousness? No. Same thing can apply to anything you like to buy or like to have. Would you like a bigger house, maybe so. Maybe that's not wrong. Maybe you need a bigger car. Maybe um, you need a smaller car. Maybe you need a faster car. I don't know about that one, a faster car. <laughs> maybe you need an electric car. I don't know about that. There's all kinds of things about electric cars now that are coming out that um, people have thought about or people have been worried about. And then there's a lot of incidents about different things about electric cars you know so I'm not saying you have to get it's wrong I'm just saying uh, because the bridge that you're going to cross where it is actually covetousness so you have to have doubts about everything okay uh, not everything new is wrong not everything that you want is wrong sometimes it can become wrong covetousness depend after so much that you can't do without it you think Let's look at Hebrews 13, five, what the Bible says about covetousness. Hebrews 13, verse number 5. Sometimes I like a bigger Prius. <laughs> One with a bigger trunk. But then I'm thinking, what will I have to pay for a bigger trunk, just to have a bigger trunk, six inches bigger, taller? What will I have to pay for that? Hebrews 13.5, covetousness. Let your conversation, conversation is your your life, the way you live. Let your conversation be without without covetousness. So it is possible to live a life without being, panting for things. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things. So covetousness is about things. Covetousness is about wanting things. Things. It's about wanting something. Be content with such things as you have. Well, what do I have? What do you have? Be content with such things as you have. Now, is it is it okay to prepare for a piece of equipment about to fall apart? And you plan, you save money so that when it does fall apart, you have something to replace it? That's not covetousness. That's being wise. Should you take advantage of a sale for something that you know you will need six months from now that's not covetousness that's smart so make a distinction here and um, be content with such things as you have for he hath said now he paul i think wrote this says don't be covetousness instead be content with such things as you have reason reason for he for god hath said i will never leave thee nor forsake thee what is the point of Hebrews 13, 5. What is the point? How does he counter covetousness with wanting things? How does he how does he say, you know what, you don't need things because you don't have this to make you happy because don't break your neck, don't kill yourself to get this because what is he saying? What is the because he is giving you the the reason and the in the the logical reason why you should not be covetous why you should not pant after something is because you have something what do you have what's right there in verse number five take a look at that verse number five that your conversation be without covetousness you can live a life without being covetous and be content you can have a life of contentment with such things that you have For reason, he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And that is the solution to this pollution called covetousness. Because you have everything that you really need. You have Christ as your Savior. You have God in your life. You have him. He says, I am all that you need. You don't need other things. The Hebrews wanted a king. God says, no, you got me as your king. They said, we want a man king. He says, no, you got me as your king. We insist. They were covetous. (laughs) They got a king and then they regretted having a king. A lot of times, too, when you get what you want and when you get what you uh, really wanted to get, after a while, you wish you hadn't gotten it. That happens, too. So covetousness is solved by contentment. Contentment is in a person. It's in God. It's in Christ. It's not in having just things. Now, look at Luke 12, 15, and we'll wrap it up here. Luke 12, 15. Luke 12, 15 goes right along, I believe, with Hebrews 13, 5. Jesus says, and uh, he said unto them, Take heed, watch out, watch it, be careful. Take heed, beware of covetousness. So it's a problem. He says, watch out for it. He says, much as watch out for this part of the country where you have a lot of mosquitoes. Watch out for this river because it has uh, man-eating fish. Watch out for this part of the ocean because it has killer whales. Watch out, you see, it's a warning about danger, take heed and beware, beware of bears, beware of polar bears, Oh, polar bears, they're eating machines, beware of polar bears, beware of going to Australia because of all the poisonous snakes that they have there, all right, beware of covetousness, because it is as deadly, beware of covetousness for a man's life, now here's another reason why he said don't be covetous, for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. So now you have another commentary from the Bible, from God, about why you should be content because you have Christ. And number two, because you don't need things to make you happy. Your life is not about what you own. How many millionaires and billionaires, there's more billionaires now in this world than there ever was 30 years ago. How many billionaires are filthy rich, but they're pretty much lonely people. (laughs) They have no life of happiness, and that's worth a lot, you know. They have no life life of peace because they have everything, but they're empty because their life was what they have in their warehouses. I'll build bigger barns, I'll build bigger barns. And the Lord says, well, when you die, then whom will these belong to? Well, I guess you have a will, but, uh, life is not about what you own, but what you have. Um, so those are some things to help you to see that when the Lord says in Exodus 20, verse number 17, thou shalt not covet, he's saying it's because of these reasons you don't want to covet. They become a snare to your soul, and they become a, a hook in your jaw, and they will pull you down to the depths or pull you out into uh, not perdition so-called but pull you into a lot of misery so covetousness he says "Thou no, shalt not covet don't cover your neighbor's stuff don't cover your neighbor's uh, wife manservant, servant meat servant ox zask, or anything nor anything nor anything that is thy neighbor's don't want to get that just because you can be happy without a lot of things that your neighbor has you ever see these monster houses you ever see these, uh, you ever drive up Hawaii Kai? You ever drive up uh, some of those ridges? Oh, I have. And uh, it's like exclusive neighborhoods. Now, you have to have a real good job, You i you be a professional, to have the ability to, to own these homes. And then uh, all the other things that involve with that, brakes in your car and the wear and tear going up and down like that. But you get a great view, but uh, it comes at a price. And so when you're covetous, you want to live up there. You better be sure that you're not going to kill yourself to live up there. You want to be sure that you don't strive to have what someone else has just because. Peer pressure is a very powerful force. You don't want to to kill yourself just to have someone say, Hey, hey, Joe, man, he really got it made. Oh, you know, oh man, this guy, he's, you know, that's not that important. And if you're not in that circle of people in society, it's okay. You don't have... You don't have to eat a Ruth's Chris every Friday night. You don't have to have this luxury um, of having the finest, the finest. Uh, you ever walk through Neiman Marcus, look at the price of shirts, the price of women's blouse. I have walked by there one time and I'm thinking, I'm gonna keep walking. <laughs> I'm gonna keep walking, $65 for a blouse. Uh, uh, you know, some of these, Aloha should have been in Hawaii. They're very pricey. You go out to um, whatever store, you look at the tag, you say, oh, $159. How come? Because of the name, because of the because of the reputation, because of the so-called quality. No doubt it's very quality than something made in uh, Indonesia, Bangladesh, or by an Eskimo. But I don't know if you need <laughs> to spend that kind of money. And so covetousness, be careful uh, as a Christian. So I'm going to cover adultery at 10.45, and I'll try to cover some things that I didn't have time to cover right now. Uh, I want to get especially to the cure for adultery, and there is a cure for adultery, but there's a cause for it too, there's a consequence for it, and uh, oh boy, so I need to spend time on that one. Okay, all right, let's take a short break.